Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up tonight, Facebook parent company Meta is threatening to remove all news from its platform in light of new bill in Congress that could take money away from Meta and give to news organizations. The latest big company to announce layoffs. BuzzFeed says it's letting go one out of 10 of its employees, as many warn of an upcoming recession. And GM gives a reason for suspending advertising on Twitter. It claims, though, it's not because of free speech. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Breaking news. Just now, a jury in New York has found the Trump Organization guilty of multiple crimes, including tax fraud. The Manhattan District Attorney said the organization got away with awarding executives with lavish perks while concealing the benefits from the tax authorities. According to the lawsuit, Chief Financial Officer Alan Weisselberg received $1.7 million in unreported payments. Former President Donald Trump, though, was not charged in the case. The Trump Organization argued that Weisselberg carried out the scheme to benefit himself. Trump has also said this was a political witch hunt. The Trump Organization faces fines over the conviction, though the exact amount will be determined at a later date by the judge who oversaw the trial. And there's a big legal legal battle between Meta, the parent of Facebook, and news organizations. This is a legal battle, though, that doesn't involve lawsuits, at least not at the moment. Congress is deciding whether or not to pass a bill that would force Meta to pay news organizations. Now, news organizations put a lot of content on Facebook, but right now Facebook doesn't pay them to do this. News outlets do this voluntarily. This new bill is called the Journalism, Competition, and Preservation Act, or JCPA. Social media professor at the University of Florida, Andrew Selipak, says Congress's intention here is to help the news organizations. It's an attempt to try to provide revenue to local news, local newspapers in particular, in a way to try to help them. We've seen here in the United States that, you know, countless local newspapers have closed down over the past few years because of social media, because people are getting their news from social media, particularly younger people. Small-scale news organizations do a lot of reporting. This reporting sometimes makes it into bigger news outlets. Without the smaller organizations, a lot of our news would be lost. So this bill would allow different news organizations to join together and negotiate a fee Meta must pay for putting their news stories on its platform. In other words, take, a, take money away from tech giant Meta, it has a lot of money, and give it to smaller companies that don't have a lot of money. The bill would sort of create a wealth transfer type of situation. But Meta is fighting back hard. One Meta executive tweeted that the bill was ill-conceived. He argued that news organizations willingly put their content on Facebook for their own benefit. They get exposure this way. He says Meta is basically helping them get exposure for free. He says Meta shouldn't then be forced to pay other organizations for putting content on their platform. Attorney Ari Rastigar, who is also the founder of Rastigar Property Company, says this law drastically benefits the news organizations. But is it a good thing? It's certainly something that causes concern when the government is forcing, you know, companies and forcing industries um, to pay for things that might not be market. It just seems anti-capitalistic to me um, and just goes against a lot of the governing ideas that we have as a country and as we have as a, as a free trade market. So Meta 
dislikes the idea so much, it's even threatened to remove all news from Facebook altogether. Social media professor Andrew Selipak says Meta doesn't want more money leaving the company. Facebook has recently had to fire many employees, and they've also seen a drop in their amount of time that users are spending on the platform. So right now is a really difficult time for Facebook in terms of profit, bottom line, what shareholders are looking at, and any other way where they're going to have to pay uh, is not something they're looking to do. Meta's net income has been falling for four straight quarters. It's down a substantial 52% from the same quarter last year. It's not doing as well as it hoped, but even though net income is down a lot, it's still at $4.4 billion. The News Media Alliance, this is a trade group representing newspaper publishers, is actually fighting for the bill to pass. In fact, on the homepage of its website, it's calling for people to support the JCPA. A similar law was passed in Australia. Meta actually lost that one. The News Media Alliance said Meta had to pay news organizations $140 million as a result, and countless local journalists found jobs. But the news industry in Australia is a lot smaller than that of the U.S. According to the alliance's own words, if the JCPA is passed in the U.S., Meta may have to end up paying billions of dollars. And moving on, GM has cited competition with Tesla as a reason for putting a hold on Twitter advertising activity. Here's more from NTD's Sean Marshall. Is this a new trend of companies deciding where to exist on social media based on who owns the company or on social and political opinion? General Motors CEO Mary Barra's last post on Twitter was on October 27th, the day Musk closed the purchase of the platform. Since then, Barra and GM's consumer vehicle brand accounts, including Chevrolet, Cadillac, Buick, and GMC, have been very unsociable on Twitter. According to CNBC, Barra said that the automaker's decision to suspend advertising in October was in part an effort to protect its brands during a major change, but was also influenced by the fact that Musk's electric vehicle company, Tesla, is a competitor to GM. Mercedes-Benz, who just opened up its first all-electric store in Yokohama, Japan, is one competitor that has not stopped using Twitter as an advertising outlet. Some companies may be concerned with the possibility of assisting their competition, as well as with Twitter's free speech policies, but they also need to consider the reach of social media advertising, which Musk seems determined to make a huge part of Twitter's future. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And Dr. Anthony Fauci says he relied on others to dismiss the COVID-19 lab leak theory because he doesn't have enough expertise in the area. This statement and more were published in a document yesterday. Here's more. On Monday, Dr. Anthony Fauci's deposition was released. The deposition was taken as part of a lawsuit alleging collusion between the U.S. government and big tech to censor people. In the deposition, Fauci said he did not have the expertise to determine whether COVID-19 came from nature or a laboratory. That's despite repeatedly dismissing the theory that it originated in a Chinese lab. I'm not qualified since I'm not an evolutionary virologist to make any kind of definite determination. I have relied, as anyone would, with highly qualified, respected evolutionary virologists to come to that conclusion or not. After Fauci dismissed the theory in 2020, big tech companies began censoring people who suggested that COVID did come from a lab. Fauci says neither he or his staff reached out to social media companies to ask for censorship. 
However, he was later shown an email which showed that officials from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases were trying to connect to Google on vaccine communications, specifically misinformation, and that a meeting was planned. He said he wasn't sure whether the meeting ever took place. After saying that he was concerned about misinformation regarding vaccines because it could lead to the loss of life, Fauci was asked whether he thinks misinformation should be stopped, to which he replied, That's not my area. I'm very well aware of the concept of freedom of speech. The area of the curtailment of that is something that is not in my area of expertise. It was also revealed that Fauci's daughter used to work for Twitter as a software engineer. Fauci says he never discussed content posted on social media with his daughter. And Wall Street ended lower today on more talk of recession. The Dow fell 351 points or 1%. S&P dropped 58 points or 1 and 4 tenths of a percent. NASDAQ dropped 225 points or 2%. And two women are suing Apple over its AirTag device, which they say has made it easier for former partners and others, stalkers, to track down victims. The women say Apple has been unable to protect people who use AirTag. The company had said the device was stalker-proof since its launch in April in 2021. AirTags are intended to be attached to your keys, wallets, backpacks, or other items. So when you lose them, you can find them. But privacy experts and law enforcement have said some people use AirTags for criminal or malicious purposes. The plaintiffs called AirTags the weapon of choice of stalkers and abusers. Earlier this year, though, Apple announced upgrades to warn users faster when an unknown AirTag might be following them. Pharmaceutical partners Pfizer and BioNTech are countersuing competitor Moderna for its patent infringement claims against them. The suit concerns the development of the Pfizer-BioNTech mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. This all started when Moderna sued Pfizer in August. It said Pfizer violated patents on three key innovations developed before the pandemic. Pfizer and BioNTech say, though, they did not copy Moderna's technology to make their shots. In their countersuit filed Monday, Pfizer and BioNTech asked the court to dismiss Moderna's lawsuit and order that Moderna's patents are invalid and not infringed. Moderna is also in a public dispute with the National Institutes of Health over intellectual property rights. Additionally, the company is being sued by two BioNTech companies for the same thing it accuses Pfizer of, which is patent infringement. More tech layoffs. Online media company BuzzFeed says today it will cut about 12% of its workforce to rein in costs. It's joining a growing number of U.S. firms that have taken similar measures in anticipation of an economic downturn. BuzzFeed has about 1,500 employees. In a letter to affected workers, BuzzFeed CEO Jonah Peretti said the company has to cut costs because of, quote, worsening macroeconomic conditions, as well as the ongoing audience shift to vertical video. Peretti also said he expected the economic downturn to extend well into 2023. Several big tech companies have cut jobs and scaled back hiring in recent months, including Meta, Twitter, and Snapchat parent Snap. And J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon said today the U.S. economy could enter into a recession next year. President Joe Biden visits the Arizona plant of TSMC today. This as the Taiwanese chipmaker is set to more than triple its planned investment in the factory to $40 billion. That's one of the largest foreign investments in U.S. history. Here's the president earlier today. These are the most advanced semiconductor chips on the planet. The chips will power iPhones and MacBooks, as Tim Cook can attest. Apple had to buy all the advanced chips from overseas. 
Now they're going to bring more of their supply chain here home. It could be a game changer. Some view the investment as a big win for Biden. After supply chain issues disrupted the U.S. economy early in his presidency, Biden is joined by TSMC founder Morris Chang and the heads of various chip makers. The plant is scheduled to be operational in 2024. TSMC is the world's largest contract chip maker and a major supplier to U.S. hardware manufacturers like Apple and NVIDIA. Elon Musk's SpaceX is expanding its Starlink satellite system into the military sphere. It's a new national security line called Star Shield. The new program was unveiled Friday. It includes building up the launch and satellite communications technology, as well as providing a secured satellite network for government entities. The most likely customers of Star Shield would appear to be the U.S. military and intelligence community. They've already invested heavily in SpaceX's Starlight satellite technology, which with key stakes in the Starlink system. Details so far, though, on Star Shield's scope and capabilities remain sparse. And North Carolina County is experiencing its third day of blackouts, affecting tens of thousands of people. This is after two power substations were shot up in Moore County. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper told CNN that this was a malicious criminal attack on the entire community. This was a specific act. The person or, or persons knew what they were doing and what it took to disable this substation. So what we're going to have to do is to work with state and federal officials. And I think this needs to be a, a national conversation about the level of security that we have at these substations across the country. The power provider to the area, Duke Energy, said more than 35,000 customers were without power this morning in Moore County. Across the county, many businesses and restaurants displayed, displayed closed signs in windows and had empty parking lots. Now, this is during a time normally when they're full of tourists and holiday shoppers. Duke Energy has restored power to roughly 9,000 customers after a peak about 45,000 customers were without electricity in the county of about 100,000 inhabitants. And now turning to Europe. Russia's invasion of Ukraine plunged Europe into its biggest land war since World War II. As Putin pays up to keep his campaign grinding on, managing its fallout at home and abroad is likely to get even harder. Olivia Zolino reports. Despite U.S. intelligence warnings, many European and Ukrainian officials didn't believe Russia would invade. Their logic? It would be irrational of President Vladimir Putin and far too much for his army to bite off. Nonetheless, Putin, incensed by what he saw as Ukraine's westwards pivot, ordered his, quote, special military operation. Russia's invasion of Ukraine upended geopolitics. NATO expansion was the very thing Putin opposed. Now the alliance is poised to add Finland and Sweden. Previously, Ukraine struggled to get the West interested in its conflict with Russia. But it's now receiving unimaginable international support. The U.S. is providing the lion's share of the financial and military aid required to keep Ukraine in the fight. Meanwhile, harsh sanctions are shrinking Russia's role as one of the world's big energy and commodity producers. Russia can expect more Western attempts at isolation in 2023, including of Putin personally. 
Iran, North Korea and Belarus remain staunch supporters and China and India are buying heavily discounted Russian oil. But Beijing hasn't been as publicly supportive as expected. Moscow will also have to manage its sanctions-hit economy while potentially slashing funding for services. Taking a short break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Kraft Heinz recalling a sandwich product. What do you need to know before you make tomorrow's lunch? And Christie's Auction House closing the first sale for its new department. We check out items from some of the most famous athletes. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Take a quick look in your fridge before you pack your next lunch because Kraft Heinz Foods Company is recalling about 2,400 pounds of its ready-to-eat Oscar Mayer ham and cheese loaf. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the products may have been contaminated with under-processed material. So far, there's no word of any illnesses related to the recall, though if you have any of the product, you can take it back for a refund or simply throw it out. More information is available on the USDA's website. And Christie's New York is holding its inaugural sale for its new department sneakers, streetwear collectibles. The online auction called The Greats includes collectibles from sports icons, designers, and streetwear brands. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on the hottest items. Christie's New York created the new department in September. It includes collectibles across music, fashion, art, and sports history. Sneakers and streetwear are its biggest categories. Caitlin Donovan is head of the new department at Christie's. She said demand is robust across the globe. The demand is strong, and the demand. what I love about this department is the demand is strong in all pockets of the world. We have amazing collectors who are in Asia, amazing collectors in the Middle East, across Europe, in the U.S., you know, across all age ranges. And that, that for me, is one of the most exciting parts, is watching an auction registrants be anywhere from 17 years old to 75. The top lot belongs to Michael Jordan's game-worn Air Jordan 1 sneakers. The basketball legend's kicks are estimated to fetch between $200,000 and $300,000. Another pair of signed, game-worn Air Jordan 1s is close behind. So we actually have a number of items that were game-worn and signed by Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan is the GOAT, one of the greatest athletes of all time. And as far as sports and memorabilia and collectibles are concerned, he really, his items have really kind of hit the upper bracket. A pair of shoes worn and signed by tennis champion Serena Williams has an estimated sale price of $17,000 to $20,000. Another worn pair comes with a tennis ball signed by Williams. That lot is expected to bring in $8,000 to $10,000. We have both colorways in the sale. One was worn, sorry, one was signed by Serena, the actual shoe. The other shoe, which was still worn by Serena, comes with a tennis ball that was signed by Serena. So both kind of have their own charm, but are both really special. Basketball and tennis aren't the only sports featuring hot collectibles. Ice skates worn by New York Rangers goalie Henrik Lundqvist are also up for grabs. The pair is estimated to rake in $50,000 to $70,000. Bids opened on November 29th. The sale closed today. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. 
Putting your cell phone on airplane mode during a flight, could that soon be coming to an end? In Europe, regulators there recently cleared the way for devices that use 5G technology to remain on during flights. Aviation experts believe the U.S. industry is likely to follow, but it's still expected the FAA will keep in place a general regulation that prohibits use of certain devices for safety reasons. That is, unless operators determine a device is okay to use. One aviation studies professor says the main issue is potential interference with an airplane's navigation systems, though there's not yet been any evidence that electronic interference has caused problems or worse, been in a factor in a crash. However, the Federal Communications Commission says devices not in flight mode can overload networks on the ground, especially important during takeoffs and landings. Experts say 5G wavelengths are not as likely to interfere with aircraft systems as older generation cell service. A 2017 survey found about 40% of passengers admit to not putting their device on airplane mode. And a proposed global plastic treaty is expected to be finalized by 2024. The UN describes it as the most significant green deal since the Paris Climate Accord. But what actually is it? NTD's Faye Corder reports. There's a global plastics treaty on the horizon, one that would cut plastic pollution, some hope entirely by 2040. It's been described by the UN as the most significant green deal since the Paris Climate Accord. A legally binding solution is now necessary to bring all countries on board. So what exactly is being proposed? The UN says the equivalent of one garbage truck worth of plastic is dumped into the ocean every single minute. UN members first agreed to create a treaty to deal with the plastic problem in March 2022, but not everyone agrees on how to proceed. The UN talks in Uruguay in December 2022 give delegates another chance to discuss the future treaty. So there are many, many voluntary initiatives to address uh, plastic pollution. But, uh, you know, the increasing pollution suggests that they are clearly not sufficient to address the issue so far. Several countries have voiced support for a treaty cracking down on plastic production. But such an approach is opposed by the plastics and petrochemicals industries. When we start to talk about restricting production, it becomes very complicated because, again, that production doesn't go into uh, a specific application per se. And so restricting production of of polyethylene or polypropylene or other different resins um, will have tremendous uh, negative impacts on the economy. He also says plastic makers need to be more transparent about the chemicals used in their products. As concern mounts about the health impacts of the everyday material finding its way into the food chain and human bodies. The UN treaty is supposed to be finalized by 2024. Some NGOs that are closely observing the talks have expressed concern about the Paris Agreement-style approach. On the basis that seven years in, they say it has failed to deliver. Faye Quarter, NTD News. And that's all the stories we have tonight from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.